Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the Eco Wild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
Alright guys, what's going on? It is Jacob Mines, the Southern Outdoorsman, and today we have the one and only Andrew Maxwell on with us, like always on every Monday. So dude, what is going on? What is happening? Right dude, now? it is just, uh, it's turkey season, and I'm tired. I'm real tired. I don't know turkey. Oh, I was going to say, I don't know if that's due to turkey hunting though, but yeah, I can I can relate. I can relate with that. Dude, so yeah, this is episode 90-something. 90-something. <laughs> Man, I, what we can do for our 100th episode, we got to come up with something. Dude, yeah, people need to email in and tell us what to oh, do for dude, our 100th episode. Oh, don't say, oh, forget email. Guys, says freaking message us on Facebook or Instagram. Man, because I, I want to see these. I don't, I don't want to have to go through emails and dig around. Yeah, no. Come on, guys. Yeah, let us know. What do we, gotta do? What do we need to do for our 100th episode? Yeah, who do, we need to, who do we need to get on by popular demand? Who do we need to get on? Mm, that might be difficult depending on who they want to choose. That could be tricky. Trump, very tricky. Trump on. To get old, old Trump. That'd be. Dude, that'd be, Trump Jr. just killed a pretty nice Osceola. He so maybe did. we could get. That'd be pretty cool. Make for a pretty cool interview. You work, oh, dude, work, work, work on some connections we may have for that. Who knows? Yeah, I have exactly zero. <laughs> oh, man, I can find some. Don't worry about it. But anyways, guys, we're just going to give you guys a little bit of update on what's been happening so far this season uh, on this week's episode. Uh, it's been, I'd say, hectic to say the least, uh, especially with you in Alabama. And then, dude, Tennessee was a freaking heck of a time. So, uh, and, dude, the footage, I'm telling you guys, when this video comes out for our Tennessee opener, just freaking watch it. It is awesome. In my opinion, <laughs> I'm probably extremely biased, but I think it's fantastic. And it's going to be hilarious. Rick Taylor, the turkey slayer, is probably one of the funniest guys I've ever had on camera. And he's like that all the time. He's not, it's not just the camera. So <laughs> it'll make for a good time. But anyways, dude, okay, give us a little update on what's going on with you because you've been traveling a little bit to different parts of Alabama, hunting some public land and Coming close, man. You're swinging. Just barely missing. You actually got like fouling the ball. Like you're making contact. You're just not like putting in the field of play. <laughs> yeah. So I realized actually that we've had podcasts in the bank that we've been dropping since NWTF. And we haven't like done a whole bunch of updates on what's been going on. I mean, we put out some videos, but yeah, most people probably watched like the opening weekend video. We, um, uh, we were hunting some like central Alabama public land. Whoa, 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 whoa! It's not. It's, it's, be, it's be more generic than that. Come on now. Come we were on. We're hunting now. southeastern United States. There you at go. Point during the month of March. <laughs> <laughs> guys, listen. Guys, listen. Listen. Hey, you know, I'm not like the most secretive guys, but when it or it's the most secret guy, but when it comes to public land, I love being sneaky with it, all right? I just, I don't know. I love code names, and I love being very generic. Now, if someone messages me about some stuff, I may I may try to help them out a little bit, but listen, listen, guys. I just don't want to go into a whole bunch of detail, but we got nicknames. What do we name that track, by the way? Do we even have a name for it? No, we haven't named it yet, but since Tyler, so Southern Ground was there with us, Tyler Malone and Parker McDonald, and Tyler found a gun. He found a gun. It's kind of freaky, though. So we should name it like the pistol place or something no, like that. The, the Derringer, because that's what he found. It was a Derringer. Not the Derringer track. The Derringer track. Yeah, dude. Okay, yeah. So okay, so that we hunted the Derringer track and we did not find turkeys, but we did find a pistol. It's the Derringer track. So yeah, if anybody um, 
If anybody lost in Derringer, uh, with two Hornady critical duties in it, unfired, um, holler at us. <laughs> we'll try and reunite you with your gun. No, it's kind of sketchy, to be honest, man. It, like, I'm a gun guy, by all means. But, probably. But when it, when it comes down to like me reading the manufacturer and I have no clue where or what company that is, it's kind of sketch, man. That's all I'm saying. And then load, it's loaded, ready to go, and Tyler was like, Thought he was on cloud nine finding a freaking gun in the woods. I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know about that, man. I don't know about that. I'm like, you might, you can keep that hot pistol. All right. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll be over here with my stuff. But yeah, no, that was, that was kind of crazy to be honest. And I, dude, I froze my absolute ass off in that tent. It was pitiful. Guys, opening weekend up here in Alabama was extremely rough just like wind wise like it didn't get that cold it was like i don't know at night you could probably get like in the upper 40s and i was sleeping with a 20 degree bag in my tent and by god it was like a wind tunnel in there freaking gusting like 20 miles an hour outside my tent being yeah, a wind bad. tunnel Ty, not tyler freaking um parker was supposed to stay in the tent with me but nah he ditched he ditched he didn't, he didn't want to cuddle or anything it was a uh, it was a pretty tight tent. Not gonna lie, guys. It was a tent. Go watch. Go everyone right now. Do yourself a favor and go Just watch. Pause. Yeah, pause the podcast. Go watch the video that Parker made. And Pull t- over on the side of the road right now and look up Parker's opening day video. It is hilarious, dude. I literally like almost cried laughing at that yeah. middle part. I'm not gonna say what it is. I almost cried. It's rough. Laughing. Dude, go watch it. It is hilarious. You will see Jacob like you've never seen him before. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Half naked and freaking just covered <laughs> in mud. People <laughs> 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 will be like, what's the opening weekend that y'all have? <laughs> oh, yeah, but anyways, yeah, so that that was rough. So didn't get no sleep until we slept, slept in my car. Everyone like slept in their own vehicles except for Tyler, who was in his hammock. And I cannot believe he said he was warm. I couldn't believe that because he was swinging like a freaking, I mean, like a swing set in the wind. It was kind of crazy. But, anyways, yeah, so opening weekend was interesting to say the least. I uh, found a little more hunting pressure than we probably expected out there. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have my theories for that. Yep. Andrew opened his mouth and told too many guys. Mm, 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 mm. No, no, definitely not my fault. <laughs> Although I am, I am kind of a loud mouth when it comes to play. It is, guys. Okay, you're not allowed to message Andrew asking about public land. You can only message me. Okay, guys, that is I'll the rule. I'll be generic. I'll be generic. Shoot, man, you be giving people spots away. What you talking about, man? <laughs> Shoot, I've, Andrew put opening, me. In... Opening weekend hurt. Yeah, opening weekend was interesting to say the least. Um, Got to see you do the old uh, midday gobble shuffle, which was fun. Uh, for anyone that saw that video, you got to see Andrew dance, which was kind of embarrassing. I've never seen him move like that before, so I was very caught off guard while filming. I was excited. Yeah, I don't know. There, there was other ways yeah, to be I, excited. And I, sad because I'm the editor, and I could have edited that out, but I was like, people need to see this. Oh, no, it's funny. Dude, I'm all about that. I'm just, oh, just get ready, dude. Oh, I'm just telling you, this footage from, from, me, and, from me and Rick are, are absolutely just awesome, so get ready for it. It's hilarious. But... You know, Alabama's been pretty rough. I, I know we see where where else we hunt. We hunted on old stomping grounds. Um, Zach missed a turkey. Oh yeah, it was that. Yeah, Zach missed a turkey on camera. Not the greatest footage because it turned in from us kind of hiking, kind of covering a little bit of ground to 
an accidental bush trying to bushwhack a turkey. And me, the old camera guy, was a touch too far back behind you guys. But I got to catch uh, the birds flying off after he shot. And, uh, yeah, that was, um, mm, I don't know. I've never seen, I don't know, I'm not going to lie because I've, I've missed turkeys too, pepper turkey, so I'm not going to say much of anything. But, Zach, we got to go pattern your gun, man. got to go get on it. Oh, dude, I thought that thing was toast. Dude, I thought it was too. I'm like, he's like, it's like 35 yards, maybe something like that. Uh, maybe 40, maybe 40. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, dude, I thought. He and was. overall, overall, dude, I mean, that day we heard, you know, a decent amount of gobbles, two different birds. But Alabama, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners can probably relate to this. who live in Alabama. Alabama's been tough this year, man. It's been a slow start for pretty almost everybody I know, except, except for, him, of except, course, except for he's him. already. Killed. Jared. Yeah, Jared Smith, the absolute turkey killer. It's almost not even fair, man. This guy just, like, he's a turkey stalker. I mean. He tagged out today. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy, man. Didn't even make it to April, which we're recording this before April. Oh, yeah, April 1st is tomorrow. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What a killer. Yeah, he already killed five, man. I'm like, dude, you can't even enjoy the rest of your season. You got a whole month. Dude, he needs to start hunting out of state. Like, in all honesty, like, the guys that do stuff like that, I'm like, if you ain't trying to hunt out of state, then what are you doing, man? I mean, I understand, like, tagging out, getting your – if you're, like, a numbers guy, but, dude, I'm going to kind of enjoy a little bit of it. Now, now I, I'm all about, you know, having some success and not struggling the whole season, but, you know – uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he just wants to knock it out and then start go crappie fishing or bass fishing. Who knows? But mm. yeah, so Alabama has been interesting to say the least. Uh, last week, let's see. No, or, yeah, this past week, I hunted with uh Jordan Barnes from Close Proximity TV down in South Georgia, both on some private public land. Uh, got on some birds, but didn't get anything to close the gap, uh, especially come within a uh, you know gun or bow range. But I had some awesome experiences. Got some really cool footage from down there too, guys, which that should be dropping hopefully sometime this week. Uh, got on a bunch of birds, especially on public land. Holy crap, man, we got on some birds on public land. So that was, uh, that was a heck of a time. Um, and then I've just been out in Tennessee uh, this weekend for the uh, one-shot governor's tag hunt, uh, which was pretty cool. Uh, our buddy Rick Taylor invited me to come down to be a cameraman slash hunter. For that hunt, uh, he's the guide, and we had our hunter that was coming with us, which is actually, he's from Alabama. Uh, oh, Boaz, or right around Boaz, Alabama. So right up in old Tyler Malone's neck of the woods. But uh, anyways, that was that was a heck of a time. We got to stay out in this little cabin on this property, and turns out the property we were hunting, or supposed to be hunting, um, which was like thirteen or 1,400 acres, had like very little to like no turkeys on it. Uh, Rick been out there for two days. I'd gone up a day early as well. We scouted. We found one long beard on the property with a couple jakes, and uh, that long beard really didn't want to talk a whole bunch. Uh, once he got off the roost, we pretty much just located him with a howler, and uh, from that on, you know, he didn't, he never talked again. But we saw him on the gas line. Got some footage of him, but uh, you know, wasn't great. So actually, Rick, the man he is himself, man, he is dude, he he would make a heck of a salesman. That's all I'm saying. He can talk to anybody and relate with anybody. He actually got us access to another farm right down the road uh which was actually in a lot better location down this big old creek bottom big old cow uh cattle pastures hay fields and uh beautiful hardwoods and got down there and there was definitely some birds there man and made for a heck of a hunt but i don't want to go into too much detail because you guys need to watch the video that hopefully will be dropping within a day or two 
uh, because it was a hunt that you're going to want to watch. That's all I can say. As soon as you upload it, man, I'll start editing. Yeah, if, well, it, if it's not dropped by Wednesday, everyone message Jacob's personal account. <laughs> and crap, be like Myers, what are you doing? Oh man, it it was awesome. But yeah, then the banquet. Uh, so there was a hundred teams. Um, hundred teams. There was a hundred and I think seven guides. There's a couple cameramen. Uh, some, some people that were there were like the the best of the West guys from Best of the West Rifles and TV show. Uh, they were there. It was pretty cool. You got to see those guys. They actually auctioned off one of their rifles. And that was legit, but I did not have the coin to even attempt to uh, bid on that sucker. But uh, anyways, I think uh, Chris Barrett from uh, Barrett Firearms, they were there uh, auctioning off a M82 uh, .50 caliber rifle. And uh, that was pretty cool. We made a limited edition uh, Tennessee uh, model. It had like the state of Tennessee uh, etched into the side of it, and it was one of 17. So that was pretty cool, pretty cool gun uh, that they raffled off. Or not raffled off, but uh, had a, had an auction for but uh, it was that was a heck of a time. We had to meet up with uh, Tony uh, uh, Smotherman, I believe is his last name, from CVA, along, of course, with Rick Taylor and a couple other guys. It was a good time. So what? Yeah, Tony Smotherman, traveling hunter. Yep. He said, so. yeah. So anyways, it was a good time. Got to hang out with all those guys and a bunch of other people. Um, let's see, one of the Sitka reps was there. I'm trying to think who else was there that people may would know. I forgot his name, the Sitka rep. Um uh oh uh pitman uh what's his name um man mine's man gonna... you bad with names dude mine's going blank i don't uh whatever pitman for pitman uh game calls turkey calls oh uh, preston yeah he was he was there he was freaking hilarious so uh i don't know there was a bunch of other guys there that was just you know people would know about um billy governor billy from state of uh, tennessee he was there doing a speech and everything he actually went hunting with one of the guides uh that day as well but it was it was a fun time, dude. I, I walked away with four boxes of of Apex ammunition, twenty gauge G twenty uh, GT twenties. Cleaned up. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, two boxes of eights, two boxes of nines. So, dude, I think I am set for quite a while because now I think I got six boxes right now, and I just got my gun back, dude, uh, from Baker's Hydrographics, and dude, it looks fantastic. Oh my god, like. Guys, if anyone's listening to this podcast right now and has not seen the post I made on Instagram and Facebook of this gun, you need to check it out. Holy crap, man. That's all I can say. Uh, they say that Badlands uh, FX approach or approach FX turned out fantastic on the gun. He's one of the only couple guys in the country that can actually do that pattern. So it came out great. And, I mean, it, it's unbelievable the kind of work that he can provide. So. Super happy to have him on board, uh, especially with the giveaway. That giveaway gun looks fantastic. And uh, anyways, with that, you know, all being said, man, we don't have much longer on the giveaway. What is it, uh, seven days after this is dropped? Yeah, seven days. Uh, so actually, uh, next Sunday night is when it's going to end, and I'm going to draw a person, and then we'll uh, announce it on that episode for uh, this coming Monday. Um, what day is that? Uh, it's, I believe it's the 8th of April. Okay. Yeah, so that's when it'll be announced. It'll be announced on the podcast, so make sure that you listen to the podcast to hear who is the winner. Because if you don't, we'll have to redraw in 48 hours if someone doesn't chime in. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, fun, fun, fun. Yeah, we don't need to have that happen. Yeah, guys, so just make sure you have subscribed to us on YouTube. You like the page. 
liking the Facebook page is huge because a lot of guys subscribe to the YouTube channel, but they didn't like the page and vice versa. Then make sure you share the post and you make sure you tag three friends in the post. That's the biggest thing. Oh, yeah, dude. And I, I called it. See, we've had about a thousand people share the post. Um, and we do not have that many people who did the other steps. So if you did all four steps, congrats. You could pat, pat yourself on the back because you got pretty good chances. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. But, anyways, competition's lasting another week. Get on it. Go win yourself a gun that looks really cool. But uh, but anyways, dude, so you have hunted with two really good turkey hunters in the last week. So you've hunted with Jordan Barnes and Rick Taylor, a guy who combined those two guys have seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of turkeys die over the years. So after hunting with those two guys, did you pick up on any like trends that, that each of them did? Where, where it's like something that like maybe you notice that that you don't see me doing or someone else doing who you hunt with? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, one thing I noticed from Jordan is that he is a huge fan of locating with a box call. Uh, he, he will absolutely, you know, cut on a box call uh, to try to get these birds to kind of go. When it worked, dude, it worked on public land. We were chasing some birds down with that box call, uh, just trying to reach out there and really touch them way down some, you know, big old creek and, uh, you know, just swamps and everything else. So uh, th- that's one thing I definitely picked up from Jordan. Um, let's see, what else I pick up from Jordan? Um, you know, w- one thing that I've noticed, just because of his style of hunting, you know, you know, setups are key for him. You know, having the perfect setup for him to be able to get set with his bow and get drawn and everything. So that's kind of cool, you know, you know, hunting around, you know, some different, like, logs and stuff and kind of brushing stuff in to make it look good, give him a solid backdrop for him to be able to get the bow back was pretty interesting. Uh, but probably the biggest thing I got away from him was just, you know, you know, using that box call. You know, he's a huge mouth call guy. I mean, he uses the mouth call for pretty much everything. And his mouth call is definitely different from others. You know, a lot of people, you know, here, especially, like, you know, the calls we're running, you know, have that very sharp, you know, two-tone yelp, where he likes his call to have a lot more front to it, where it's not so much two-tone. And it's kind of different. It sounds definitely much like a much younger hen, and that's a call that he absolutely loves doing is, you know, he gets those cuts. And I think uh, Shane, yeah, Shane Simpson's the one making all of his calls right now. So uh, shout out to old Shane. But, uh, yeah, he's been enjoying the crap out of that. But uh, that's pretty much it. What I got, really got out of Jordan was this, you know, definitely trying to use a box call more so and, and get good at it. I mean, he's fantastic on a box call. You know, be able to cut extremely loud and really work that call to – get these birds fired up uh now with rick you know rick does a little bit of everything from you know you know using mouth calls to you know glass or slate or aluminum and then a box call as well um you know one thing i got from him is dude he is like hardcore in a scouting like that is he puts he, he's kind of like jared smith where he puts a ton of time into scouting like scouting is everything to him uh you know he's one of those guys that he would rather you know, take more days away from hunting and actually go out and scout more uh, if he had to or, if he, you know, if he can uh, just to be able to kind of, you know, put all the cars in the right spot to be able to come out on top. And uh, that's definitely what I learned from him and also learned his talking skills on how he gets permission to hunt different properties because he is fantastic, dude. Like, holy, dude, I mean, just to watch him work, we knocked on a couple different doors and talked to some people and the kind of way he goes about listening to the conversation on how he goes about you know, mm-hmm. relating to these landowners that do not know him, but kind of get them involved in the conversation and get them to trust and give us permission to go hunt for a day or two. Uh, that, that's crazy. Yeah. That's huge. And uh, well, we'll 
we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. I want to kind of go over his process. Um, one thing that you said that I noticed was the fact, like how Jordan uses that like real heavy front end, or not like a heavy front end, but he uses a longer front end on his Yelps than most people do. I was hunting with Mark Turner from Hunt the Land podcast. Uh, Mark's a great guy, man. He's super knowledgeable. Just a fantastic guy to spend time in the woods with. I had an absolute blast with him. Uh, And one thing I noticed hunting with him is that he was doing the same thing. Um, Now, Mark's about the same experience level as I am turkey hunting. Uh, I mean, pretty even with, you know, kind of what we've seen and how many we've killed and how long we've been doing it. Uh, But we do things like a little bit differently. And he was, he did like his yelps are like what you described. They've got a longer front end than a back end. It sounds like a little eight pound Jenny hen and uh, also the way he yelps. So, you know, like people who've watched our videos, like who hear me yelp when I'm typically yelping, I'm using like a deeper call, like usually that bat wing, that KB hen or something. And I'll be using a bat wing and I'll kind of space my yelps out and make them like real uneven kind of like a hen walking around like kind of looking there's not like any real cadence to it i'll throw clucks in between yelps and stuff mark uses that really high pitch call with a longer front end on it that's that's real high and real like not squeaky but you get what i'm saying it's got that higher end on it and he'll he'll yelp instead of being like yelp 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 he'll like cluck cluck yelp 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 i mean he uh he yelps a lot of times really fast but he he like speeds it up and slows it down and dude the birds were going crazy over it this weekend um where we were hunting it was some lower alabama public land we were down in south alabama hunting and the birds went nuts man i mean we had five different birds gobbling at one point and uh it was the first time that i was actually looking down the gun barrel at one but there was too many palmettos in the way for me to feel comfortable shooting but that's something i picked up on too was that that's pretty interesting yeah so he just does a lot more assembly yelps i mean that's something i, I saw jordan do as well he does a lot of assembly yelps but he gets he puts a lot of he, he does a lot of real soft bubble clucks and, and really can add that realism to the whole situation i mean it's fantastic i mean jordan can absolutely work a mouth call i mean dude it is awesome to kind of watch him work it and listen to him and again anyone that's going to watch this footage when we drop it of me hunting with him you're going to be able to hear him be able to work his calls and kind of get a feel for you know his calling style uh, but you know that's something that i definitely took away with was not only him locating with the box call but also just his overall calling skills with a mouth call that really kind of add more realism to the situation uh, especially the way he does his bubble clucks uh you know real soft clucks that he can kind of add into assembly yelp or whatever else he's working with just to kind of add to the situation where it seems like there is a there is a young bird that's lost and i mean we both you know us hunting in public land had two birds fire off at it. Absolutely loved it. And, uh, and then kind of, you know, if it wasn't for you know, a flock of hens just off to our left, probably would have been able to seal the deal on those birds. But again, yeah, that's kind of now wait real quick before we like get off of it. The bubble cluck, let's kind of explain the bubble cluck a little bit because I just did an article for AON and in it, I mentioned bubble clucks. And when I pitched that article to Brad Gill, it took me like six emails to explain to him what a bubble cluck was. <laughs> Cause it's a, uh, it's like a different, it's kind of a newer term, I think maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably someone email that's saying, well, I've been using that term for like 38 years, but I heard it a couple years ago from guys like Scott Ellis. Mm-hmm. And 
Dave Owens. So a bubble cluck is like a, you know, a normal cluck's a little bit sharper and and man, they're hard to explain. Bubble cluck to me, just like after <laughs> watching Jordan and actually seeing, we had a hen. I got audio of a hen seven yards from us doing it. It's a very like high pitched but very subtle little cluck. I mean, it sounds like it's a bubble popping. Like that's the way I can explain yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it's a very little little high pitch, but real soft. Just little pop, 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 like, like right there. And like the thing is, you're not going to hear it from a disc. You like, I I don't think you would be able to hear it unless you're doing it much louder. But a, a real true, a, my opinion, my true, you know, bubble cluck. You're not going to hear it probably past fifty or fifty to eighty yards, especially if it's windy. But you know, up close and personal, it's fantastic. Um, and that's one thing I definitely noticed with him doing it. That's when he was kind of at his, you know, he adds some subtle calls in with, you know, him doing, you know, different, you know, assembly yelps of different yelp and, uh, and cut sequences just to kind of add in the realism of a hen that's kind of lost, but she's kind of feeding around doing her own thing. Cause when we had this hen work up to us, she was doing it just kind of like while she was feeding, she was doing these little bubble clucks and then she started yelping as real softly and then go back to these little bubble clucks as she was feeding around. So mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. And that's something that I've learned over like the last few years as I've gotten better at turkey hunting, I've been getting a lot closer to more turkeys is that they're like constantly making some kind of sound, you know, like vocalizing in some way, you know, like the hens, they'll be walking around scratching, making all kinds of noise doing that. But they're also just, it seems like they're constantly like doing little tiny clucks, little purrs, little whines. They're just always making some kind of sound. It might not be a sound that that's loud and you can hear from a long ways off, but when you get close to them, man, they're just walking around doing their thing. They're quite talkative, mm. seems like. No, I mean, I think you're right on the money with it. I mean, seeing that hen so close to us and getting all the audio, I mean, I can definitely see them making a ton of noise. That It's subtle noise. It's not always loud. They're not always, you know, out you know, doing assembly yelps or just doing a whole bunch of just cutting and stuff, but they're always, like, seems like, with that hen so close to us, she was always trying to, she's doing some kind of like this, mostly it was this soft bubble clucks. That's really what we heard for the most part. You know, she yelped at us a few times while she was right there in front of us. And, uh, and then at the very end, uh, I think she caught movement from either mine or Jordan's camera. And she started doing this, some, some little bit of putts. And then Jordan was bubble clucking at her as she was like walking off and like calmed her back down. And uh, anyways, it was a, it was a funny situation because everything else that happened, but yeah, when he was hitting that box call, trying to locate, by the way, mm -hmm. when he was hitting that box call, what was, like, the cadence of what he was doing? Was he yelping and cutting? Was he just cutting? How many times was he cutting? Like, kind of explain the process that he was typically using to locate birds on a box call. I mean, he would just do kind of like a disassembly, you know, between uh, 8 to probably 11 or so uh, yelps in a sequence but they were real deep you know i don't know what box call he's using but it's a very deep you know two-tone loud yelp that he can produce on it but the thing that i notice is how he cuts you know most guys i see cut on a box cut box call they kind of like rotate it to the side they put their thumb like if, if they're right-handed they put their you know hold it with their left hand put their thumb on the lid on the bottom of the lid and they just like top they like pop the top edge of the lid okay and like make the cuts. He doesn't do it like that. He literally, he will hold that box call straight up into the air. He's holding the bottom of the box call with his left hand, the the, the lid with his right hand, with the uh, the handle of the lid in between his index finger and his middle finger. And he comes back and just like, I mean, comes down on top of that call, dude, and like just hits it hard. Pop, 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 pop. And he, dude, it's so much louder. 
it's so much louder. And yeah, I tried that this weekend, and I, dude, it like echoed for like a long time out there because it was pretty flat. Mm-hmm. But there was like little rolling hills, and I did that. I cut like four times, and it like, dude, it echoed so good. It sounded amazing. I can't yeah. believe I'll take gobble at it, but yeah, go on. <laughs> I tried. I tried it. It's kind of it, it takes. There's a little bit of technique to it for sure because you got to hit in the right spot of the lid, or it just doesn't sound right. Or if you don't hit it right, it'll you'll draw it on on the call, and it sounds yeah. like a jacked up yelp. It just doesn't sound good. So you got to mm-hmm. hit it just right when you go pop pop pop. And dude, he can do it so fast and loud. It's ridiculous. But that's what, how he was getting a lot of birds fired up was doing that. Uh, and then kind of finishing it off with a few yelps. Um, but, I mean, that's pretty much what Jordan was showing me. Now, one thing that Rick was doing that definitely I took note of is he his number one locator is just like me. Is he uses a howler. He uses a howler. Now, I use a diaphragm call. He uses an actual, like, um, like a reed-style call uh, that Primo's – well, his wasn't Primo's. Man, I forget who made his, like, Flexstone, whatever. But, like, Primo's has one. They call it, like, the hot dog. And it is a it's a reed-style call that has, like, a trumpet into it. Super, super high pitch, super, super loud. It was ridiculously loud. And that's what he uses. And, um, you know, the realistic sound, I, I feel personally, and I did my howl, I feel like my howl on the on the mouth call, on the, re, on the uh, diaphragm call, sounds more authentic. But just the high pitch sharpness that he can produce on that call, dude, when I say it would echo, I, I've, I've heard a few calls echo before, but I've never heard one echo in the wind. Like, it was ridiculous how far that call would travel, and you could hear it bouncing off down haulers and stuff, down draws, like way, way far out there, dude. And uh, that's how we located uh, almost pretty much all those birds, dude, was through with his howler. Um, so that's like his number one go-to. Like, he says he can't really he, – uh, he can't owl hoot with his uh, natural voice, which you guys will see videos of that. Um, you, he can't – he says he doesn't like to run or he can't really run at like a hooting stick very well or like that style of, you know, owl call. Um, so he just, he likes to run his howler, dude. And, you know, he's like me. The only time you really can use it to locate them is they have to be on the tree early. Like second sun's coming up, like right before fly down, you can't do it because they ain't going to, most likely they're not going to talk because they want to come down. They don't want to, you know, I guess, you know, if a bird is trying to rationalize, they don't want to, you know, let their location known to coyote but early in the morning like way way like i mean just like when you can just now see your hand in front of your face that's uh that's the perfect time to howl and dude that is the freaking ticket um so definitely learn that from him but you know uh rick just well he's just adaptive man uh when it's calling but again like you know everything comes down to him is uh just scouting like scouting's huge for him and it's he takes that to heart almost more so than anything else just knowing the situation knowing where the birds are possibly where they're going and how to be able to step in between them and just kind of cut the distance. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing about Mark too. Mark had an idea of where this bird was roosted when we wanted to go. So he went in there that night and he roosted him and he wasn't close enough to know right where he was, but he's like, okay, I know he's in that general area. So we went in before daylight and, uh, basically felt our way through this swamp like there was just a like a big drainage there's ridges there but there's like this big big drainage it's flat and we were going in there and you since you know it's really not greened out yet you can see way through there and we didn't want to get busted so we were walking in with no lights you know it was kind of a bright moon you could see a little bit you know when you cut your lights off and you're you kind of let your eyes adjust. You can actually see pretty decently, like see, you know, a good, like maybe two feet in front of you. 
And so we're just kind of feeling our way through the swamp towards where we know the bird went was. And uh, we get to about where Mark thought like the general area was. And we, we sit, we get set up against some trees and we wait for it to get daylight. And that daggum bird, man, we're like, okay, we don't know where he is. And then this bird gobbles like 300 yards in front of us. He's like way out there. And I look back at Mark and he looked at me and he's like, crap, man, I thought we were closer than that. And then two or three minutes later, the bird that we were actually after gobbled and he was like 50 yards directly in front of me. And so I was like, oh my God, it's about to happen. And there was, uh, we had no idea where we were and I didn't know what the area looked like. And in front of me, it was like nice and open. And so I was like, dude, he's going to pitch down right there. He's going to be on the ground for about two and a half seconds and I'm going to kill him. It's going to be awesome. And I, I was, dude, I was so ready. There's some hens right above us. The hens pitched down the wrong way. and We got worried. But then the gobbler pitches down, of course, right towards me. But he lands right on the other side of this palmetto. And uh, so I'm like, I've got the camera over there. i got the gun over there ready to go. And he walks. He's, I can't remember. If, I don't think he was strutting. I couldn't see him that well. But I could see him passing behind the palmettos, uh, walking from my right to my left. And I had the gun up. I was ready to shoot. Safety off, finger on the trigger. And he was only like 40 yards. And I'm shooting those, that daggum TSS, so I know I could have killed him. But there's just so many palmettos in the way. I was worried that like a lot of my pattern was going to get you know caught up in brush and palmettos and stuff. So I didn't shoot. And you know, long story short, you'll see it on the video. But this gobbler moves off, and then we call him back in to gosh knows how far within 40 yards but we just can't get a shot at him. And uh, we walk over there and turns out the little open area in front of me was like real muddy. There's a little bit of water, but it was like really, really muddy. And where that bird landed was at the end of the swamp where the ridge started. And what that bird had done was he was in the tree and he walked up on that ridge and he pitched down and got in the tree. And then uh, in the morning, he pitched right back onto that the side of that ridge, right on the transition between the ridge and the swamp. And uh, if we had just known that and got in there <laughs> and got on that little hillside where the swamp ends, I almost have no doubt that we would have killed that thing. But that's just that's just kind of a lesson, a hard-earned lesson that I had about scouting beforehand, not even necessarily to know where the birds exactly are at that moment, but just to know how they might use the area. Cause there's a lot of Turkey sign in there and uh, there wasn't very many tracks down in that muddy swamp. So it was pretty obvious that they were using that little hillside. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, it's, um, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, man. I mean, that, that happened uh, a time or two, maybe this weekend as well. And, you know, also, you know, our buddy Jonathan, Jonathan Bone from Cat Man Outdoors, he had a situation like that as well this weekend. Which, guys, you're going to want to watch his video. I don't know when he said he was going to drop it from uh, opening day in Tennessee, but it's uh, pretty crazy. That's all I can say. Actually, it's really crazy. Um, so keep an eye <laughs> on that. Um, but, yeah, dude, well, hopefully – Hopefully, this coming weekend is going to be a little bit changed. Uh, I know I'm going to be filming for a Wounded Warriors hunt this weekend. Uh, actually, it's Friday, Saturday. Uh, so, we'll see how that goes. I think you might come out with us. Who knows? We'll, we'll see what goes on with that. And then go out, get out Sunday and try to put the smack down some birds. I might be heading up to um, more 
northern Alabama, depending on the situation, to go chase some birds. But we will see. We will see what's going on. But anyways, man, uh, how about we wrap this up because it is late and uh, tomorrow's Monday. So Yeah, yeah no, I'm not looking forward to Monday. But no, <laughs> but, but last thing that we have to talk about is – uh, Rick getting permission. That's what we'll close with. Rick getting permission. So what is his tactic that makes him like so stupid successful on getting permission to turkey hunt places? Dude, it's the same thing I've said before because like how, I, how I've done it. It comes down to personality and how easy, how quickly you can re- relate with somebody. Because you will know 10 seconds in if this is going to work or not. Okay? And, and you will know in 10 seconds or less uh, what, they're gonna, what their reaction is going to be. Okay? Mm-hmm. And his thing is coming, smiling, kind of almost kind of open arms and just kind of be upfront with everybody, but really kind of shoot the breeze with him for a little bit and kind of tell him the situation and try to work with him. Um, I mean, you know, that's one thing me and him talked about because he says he has, you know, very high success rate, especially turkey hunting, doing it. And uh, most time, the only time he'll, he'll get a no is if, if it's already being hunted by somebody or if it's already a lease um, or if someone's just uh, 100% anti-hunting. But um, – it's just pretty cool how he can kind of do that. I mean, you'd really have to watch him to kind of get a feel for, you know, how he's doing it, but really just comes down to personality and how he can relate with people on a very short period basis. I mean, it's not one of those things that, you know, you get 10, you get 10, 12, 15 minutes to be able to make it happen. No, you can need to like connect with them almost instantly and, and get them. It really comes down to like, get them to kind of not be so closed door to you or not uh, be so like, um, uh, reluctant to really want to talk to you that, that's the biggest thing uh you know sometimes you meet people that you know that want nothing to deal with you and you know sometimes that's a losing battle right off the bat but really it's just trying to be able to relate with people right off the bat and kind of explain to them what you're trying to do what you're doing and uh you know see if there's any way they can you know help you out by letting you get some access so anyways it, it's pretty killer dude it's pretty killer well well so like when he goes up to the door is he trying to like sparks some like small talk or is he like first sentence like hey saw your property i was wondering if i could hunt it or is he like oh hey i saw your pasture blah blah blah, or something like that no 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 straight up small talk coming up introduce themselves how's days going and then kind of going from there be like kind of hey you know you know his whole thing this weekend was like hey you know kind of talking about himself you know we got a hunter coming out we're with the uh one shot um, tag the governor's tag hunt for this weekend and we're out here you know trying to hunt and try and get on some birds and you know kind of his whole thing was this weekend that the property we were on didn't have many birds for it for us to be able to kind of work with and uh was kind of relating that with landowners by hey you know is there any way you know we could come out here again that's not word for word what he's saying but that's kind of getting the gist of it uh but again it just comes down to his personality i mean dude someone that has a very bland like it's 100 percent comes down to the individual like, a person cannot do it if they're just a very bland personality. I don't think so. If they have a very bland personality, they're not a people person, and you go up because it's going to be extremely awkward, which is going to be awkward the first couple times you do it because you're not used to it unless you're in some kind of sales position or you're in public speaking. You do something where you're constantly always talking to new people. But it's going to be awkward the first couple of times. You're going to be clunky. And that's the thing is you can't come off clunky. You can't be stumbling on your words. You can't do any of that. You can be nice and fluid when you're talking and have confidence because if you don't, people will pick up on that in a heartbeat, and they're like, oh, heck no, this guy's kind of sketching me out right now. because he's." That's like them lose confidence if you don't have confidence. 
Exactly. I mean, you got to come up. I'm not trying to say like stroke your own ego when you're going up there to talk to somebody, but you got to go up there, dude, and have confidence. You know, kind of, you know, kind of stand tall and just be like, hey, you know, just want to come by and introduce myself. Smile. The biggest thing is I've seen guys do it wrong is they don't smile when they're talking to somebody. They're not smiling when they're introducing themselves to them, and that's like a great way to, first of all, have someone turn off on you and not want to like talk to you if you're not smiling. You just come up like straight face and everything and all serious. You know, someone that's meeting you for the first time, they're going to be very reluctant to talk to you, let alone allow you to be on their property. But if you come up smiling real nice and kind to them, dude, a lot of times that is all it takes to be able to open that door at first. Now, whether or not the last part of your, quote, unquote, your speech, your pitch is fluid and you got it down, it's not clunky, you know, that could make and break or what happens. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. That's a good tip. People like I've heard full podcasts on getting permission. And you kind of usually hear the same exact stuff every time, like, oh, step way back from the door, stand off the front porch, which is a good thing. That's definitely like a good tip because uh, you don't want them to open their door and and you're standing there three feet away, you know, with your hands behind your back or something. That's that's a little sketchy, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel like it's probably just something that really everyone has to kind of do on their own and figure out their own thing. There might be some general principles that can be applied in most situations, uh, like like what you were talking about, smiling with the person, you know, kind of giving them a good vibe straight straight off the bat. Oh, but, you have to. If not, I mean, you're, if you're not, you're you're fighting uphill battle, and you're not going to win it most times. Um, so that, that's the biggest thing. I mean, yeah, of course, you got to step back from the door. Now, another thing Rick does is he strategically tries to find people out in their yard that's already out doing something. So it's a little bit easier for them to kind of walk them and talk to them instead of, like, knock on the door and kind of catch them 100% off guard. Where if they're out in the yard, you can pull up in your truck, they see you coming from a little bit, and they're a little bit more kind of prepared when you walk up to them. Uh, another thing he does, he does not like to walk up to anybody's house wearing camouflage. Uh, one thing he did while we were driving around, he changed – I think he wore his camo pants, but he wore like a, it's like a, like a, um, it's a regular t-shirt, like a Bagar t-shirt. And, um, anyways, and kind of, you know, confront, you know, talk to those people like that. Uh, another thing, which he kind of, we kind of learned after talking to one guy. <laughs> so he, uh, he open carries a lot in concealed carries and he took his gun off. He was open carrying. Uh, he took his gun out and like left in the truck, but he left his holster on. Well, he was talking to this guy, and I was sitting back watching. The guy kept looking down at him, looking at his holster without a pistol in there. And I knew that guy inside. I knew that wasn't going to work at all. And he got back. I was like, hey, man, um, just going to let you know he was eyeing your pistol, or eyeing your holster like the whole time you were talking to him. And when you walked off, he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I probably screwed up right there. So, that you know, that's something that, you know, we both kind of learned. It's like, hey, you know, if you, if you carry, leave all that crap in the truck so someone's not looking at you and like, oh, what, you know. Where's this guy's gun at? I'm like, this is kind of sketchy. This is kind of weird. Yeah, that would that would kind of sketch me out for sure. Yep. So, anyway. But yeah, that's interesting. That's that's pretty interesting. Um, I I haven't really ever knocked on anybody's door asking for permission, just because uh, there's not where I grew up. There wasn't that many places that were lies. That I, I had dude where you grew up. Nah, I've knocked on probably thirty five doors in that uh, town. Don't even dude. get me started. There ain't no place. Don't, get out of here with that. Guys, listen. Hey, no. Don't be like Andrew. Sometimes you just got to do it. Oh, you're killing me. Okay, what I meant was uh-huh. what I meant, Yeah, you step on back. All the places all the places that I was interested in getting permission at 
were like company properties. They were like bigger properties, and I didn't know who owned them. But Jacob, being like the the whitetail guy more than I am, is like, oh, dude, that's like 0. 0.8 acres. There's probably a trail on it I can hunt. <laughs> you need to, you know what, to, to end this, let's, let's end this on a funny note. What about, didn't you have an old lady call the police on you? Oh, God, yeah, I was about to say, that's what we need to talk about. Yeah, so in this town where Angie grew up, and it wasn't far from where I lived, um, I was over knocking on some doors and busting down some doors trying to get permission to deer hunt. And this woman who had, I think she was renting, no, I can't remember. I think she was renting the house from the people next door, okay? And uh, altogether, I think they had like 45 acres. Uh, the person she was renting from uh, was an older lady, and she had horses. The other, this person's lady I was talking with um, was not, let's just say, I rolled up at her house, uh, and she wasn't there. And I, like, knocked on the door, no one came out. Well, I was walking back to my car, and she rolls up in her BMW. And the second I saw the BMW, I was like, oh, God, this probably ain't going, this ain't going great. Because <laughs> not many people in this town drive a BMW. Well, she rolls up, and uh, she's like, uh, excuse me, can I help you? And I was like, yes, ma'am. Actually, I was looking for the landowner uh, for this other property. She's like, well, that would be me. Uh, and I was like, okay, great. I was like, you know, just wanted to uh, come by and introduce myself. You know, hey, my name is Jacob Myers. I live right down the road in, you know, blah, blah, blah town. And uh, anyways, just wanted to come by and, again, introduce myself and, uh, you know, talk to you about possibly getting some uh, bow hunting permission uh, to hunt for deer out here. And, you know, told her I hunted, you know, right down the road on some, on some land and stuff. And anyways, kind of related to her about, you know, having some experience hunting, you know, urban areas with my bow. And anyways, she was like, she didn't want to have nothing of it. And, uh, anyways, by the end of the whole spill, which was only about, uh, only last like a minute and a half, uh, she was like, uh, I need you. She's first of all, well, first off, she said, um, She's like, yes, we have tons of deer, and no, you cannot hunt them. I love watching them, like, in that yeah. tone. And I was, like, I, I was like, someone's being a little bit of a, of a freaking brat. I didn't say that, but I thought that. I was like, Jesus, woman, okay. I'm like, that's fine. Like, all you got to do is tell me no. And she's like, I'm like, okay, I appreciate it. And she's like, she's like, you better leave right now before I call the cops. And I'm like, okay. And the funny thing is my uncle's the, sh- or is the, uh, the lieutenant in that town at the time. And I was like, and I knew all the police officers and I was like, I was like, okay. I'm like, okay, appreciate it. No problem. And she's like, no, you better leave right now. I'm calling the police. And I'm like, ah, oh, don't do that. So like, anyways, I got up and drove off and she was like, just like stormed inside the house. They didn't like threaten to go get her phone to call. But like, did, but didn't you end up getting permission from her neighbor? Uh, kinda. Yeah. Um, I got permission from the neighbor's son. Uh, but she's, he's, he's like, just come back by and, and talk with uh, my mother just to kind of get confirmation. Cause her son was probably like 45 and, uh, he didn't mind it. He said, yeah, that'd be fine. But yeah, it's kind of funny like that. You know, you, you can, this cause someone tells, you no, their next door neighbor be like, heck yeah, come on and kill these freaking deer. They eat all my flowers. And that's exactly what that woman told or That's what that, that guy told me. He was like, yeah, they, they eat our garden in the backyard. It'd be great to kill a couple of them. I'm like, all right, cool. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, you well, you was gonna say you can't if you if you knock on doors, guys, or just seeing people like that. Number one thing is you can't let you can't let someone just tell you no to you and like take it hard. You know, no is no. Okay, big whoop. You know, have a goal. Go out there. Have a goal to get uh, say like twenty no's. If you get twenty no's, most likely you're gonna get a yes somewhere in there, and that one yes is all it takes for you to kill a good deer. So, 
It's, or it's, turkey. It's, it's, turkey. Or, or turkey. Yeah, yeah, or turkeys. I mean, to me, it's almost – in some areas, it's almost easier to get turkey permission because people, especially if they don't hunt, they're like, oh, it's just a bird. It's just a turkey. Like, okay, they're – like, a lot, the people that don't hunt, they're like, oh, it's ugly turkey. Yeah, you come kill them. Yeah, they eat all my – Eat all my grain for my horses or whatever. So, yeah, dude. Or like, if you go out to just another random tip, going out. I've heard that um, actually Matt from uh, Houndstooth told us that like out in Oklahoma, you can go out there and people really, really hate the turkeys because there's a lot of cattle farmers and they have to bring in like big round bales to feed the cattle. And they said that the turkeys get on top of the round bales and crap all over them <laughs> and the cattle don't want to eat it when the turkeys crap all over it so mm-hmm. get permission pretty easily out there just just a tip for anybody who's wanting to expand their turkey hunting no but uh, it really comes down to guys if you're trying to get permission like that it's a numbers game like you cannot be like okay i want to get permission on this one property because most likely it's you're not going to get permission on it because the thing is if it looks so good and great most likely there's already somebody already hunting it or that probably gets knocked on all the time, which is fine. I mean, even if someone's hunting it, whatever, just knock on the door. I mean, again, the worst they're going to tell you is say no unless they pull a gun on you and then just don't do anything stupid, I guess. Um, I haven't had a gun pulled on me yet, but I've been threatened, so it is what it is. But, again, you just got to come off, you know, kind of smiling, you know, kind of introduce yourself, you know, kind of stay positive. And, really, you got to get what I call your elevator speech down pat. You know, you got to have something, you know, right off the bat that kind of gets them to open up to you within that, getting that first 10 to 15 seconds that – you know, makes them feel comfortable with you. And again, you know, you know, having a presentation that's not clunky where you're, you're fumbling with your words. You don't know what you're saying. You're saying, um, a whole bunch, you know, people, again, they see that and they're like, Oh, I don't, you know, that doesn't show confidence. You know, when you're talking to somebody like that and a lot of times landowners are just like, I don't want to have someone out here. That's kind of like, you know, all awkward and everything. Um, not saying that, you know, you can't get permission doing that, but definitely, you know, knock on a few doors, you'll kind of understand what you probably should do and you shouldn't do and kind of roll from there. But yeah. It's like turkey hunting. You got to go out and screw it up a bunch of times to learn anything. Exactly. Actually, that's the best thing. So you might actually want to practice on the properties you really don't want to hunt, but maybe like, Hey, be worth knocking on this door. Man, they got, maybe see turkeys in their yard all the time or like not necessarily residential. Now, if it's residential, you can still try to do it. Just the number one thing is you gotta check the. Um, you can check the uh, see if they have any city ord- ordinance against uh, discharging a weapon inside of city limits and see what they classify as a weapon. Uh, when I when I knock on doors for you know hunting urban areas, the number one thing I try to look at in towns is do they have an ordinance against uh, discharging a weapon? Most time it's just a firearm, and they almost all have have you no know, discharging firearms. Uh, but some, especially around Atlanta. To get guys or get people from stop hunting, deer hunting uh, over here, they actually try to pass an ordinance saying that you can't discharge a, a archery equipment inside city limits, which is kind of crazy. So uh, you just want to double check that. But yeah, if, if you're running around a neighborhood or something, you know, you got some houses, like some big houses with like an acre of property and you see turkeys out there, uh, you can ask permission. As long as they don't have an ordinance against you, you can ask permission to bow hunt them. If you're willing to do that, go all Jordan Barnes style on them. So just make it happen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, dude. I'm liking it. Well, I guess with all that, we'll we'll wrap this one up right now. Awesome, guys. Well, hey, make sure you are entered to win the giveaway. Again, it's huge, guys. I really would appreciate you guys uh, doing that entry to win. Uh, I'd love to get get someone, especially maybe new to turkey hunting, to win this giveaway. Or just, shoot, anybody, any one of our listeners, we'd absolutely love to have you guys uh, involved in that. But, again, it's, it's pinned. The post is pinned on our Facebook page on the very top. So you just can go there. 
Again, go through all the steps super easy. Again, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like our page, uh, tag three friends in the our post, and then share the post. Uh, and again, it will end, um, say, let's say, what do we want to say, like 7, 8 o'clock on Sunday night? What, what time? Throw a time out there. Uh, we'll make it end at 7 o'clock Sunday night. All right, 7 o'clock Central Time, okay? I live in Eastern, so it'll be 8 o'clock here is what it is. No big deal. Give us a little more time. But anyways, guys, get involved with that. Check that out. Check out. Also, make sure you check out uh, Baker's Hydrographics. Uh, again, they're the ones that uh, donated the, um, the Hydro Dip and Cerakote finish for the shotgun. Uh, they have fantastic prices, guys. I just got my gun back from them today. Uh, he did a, the Badlands Approach FX pattern on there, uh, along with doing a Cerakote bolt, and um, also Cerakoted the uh, Indian Creek choke tube, which looks fantastic, guys. He does unbelievable work at an awesome price. Uh, he's got a 4.9 rating on Google and has over 75 uh, positive reviews uh, on his website. So, guys, just go check him out on Facebook. Uh, really would appreciate that. And, uh, anyways, with all that being said, guys, make sure you tune in for this week's Strut Report. Again, we appreciate uh, y'all for tuning in for this week's episode. And uh, stay tuned for any videos we drop uh, this week. I think you're going to really enjoy them and uh, hopefully be able to see a bird or two hit the ground. We'll see. All right, guys, have a great week. All right, guys, we're starting to get kind of close to summer here. And you know what my favorite part about summer is? The Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard us talk about it a lot last year, and we actually got to meet a lot of you guys at that expo. Well, we're excited to announce we're going to be there again. This time it's going to be in Dalton, Georgia, June 28th through June 30th. We are going to be there all three days. We're going to have a bunch of past podcast guests there. We're going to have a booth where you can come by and grab some merchandise. And I'm sure we're going to be recording all kinds of podcasts there. If you're unfamiliar, the Mobile Hunters Expo is the place you need to be if you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast this show was literally made for you it is an excellent group of people that are going to be there a lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there you're going to get to talk to them shake their hand learn from them in person make some connections and guys we get a lot of questions about hey, which saddle should i get which tree stand should i get what about this piece of gear what about that piece of gear how do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.